And there he goes. Coast to coast, can he make it? Yes, he can! Welcome to the Action Network studio in New York City. I'm Maria Marino, and this is Green Dot Daily. We come to you live every weekday at 3 Eastern on the Action Network YouTube channel and the Action app. On today's show, how to bet the NBA tonight and for the rest of the conference finals. Plus, I'm so excited for this. It's opening day in the WNBA. Plenty of picks for you there. We're also going to cover Preakness, baseball, hockey, you name it. But we start with Action Network senior writer Matt Moore, also the voice of much of our NBA content here at Action Network. You were at Game 2 in Denver. So how does what happened last night inform your picks for what happens next with this series heading to L.A.? Yeah, I mean, look, if you were somebody that was on the Lakers in a short series, you're probably going to be looking for some sort of option to to bet out of that. Not that the Lakers can't win the series, just that Denver going up 2-0 has obviously historically been a massive advantage. Um, the Nuggets were able to withstand a bad shooting night from Nikola Jokic and a bad shooting night overall. The Lakers got a lot of things going, but Jamal Murray was just too much down the stretch. Having that extra burst, Anthony Davis was absolutely terrible. Now, that said... Game three is a hammer spot for the Lakers. Teams in this spot after losing uh, in game three, 70 and 48 straight up, 59%. 67, 49-2, 58% against the spread. Uh, Favorites in the spot, 48 and 17 straight up. The Lakers are favored in game three. 43 and 20 and two, 68% against the spread in game three. So or I think that's a really good spot for them to hit in game three. I think the, the Lakers are going to win this one. Um, I don't know if it's going to be comfortable, but it'll definitely be by the spread of uh, the currently in the market. There's a five hanging out there, five and a half. So you should be able to find a pretty good one. Denver's been a bad road team all season. That's going to be the real question in the series if you're looking for a series bet. Denver has struggled on the road, both in the regular season and in the playoffs. They did close out Phoenix in game six, but you know, they have lost three games on the road already this postseason. If the Lakers can get games three and four, might be an opportunity to come back in on Denver. Denver does look like the better team here, but I think it's going to be an interesting spot uh, for the Nuggets in game four. Game three, though, is definitely you should be betting the Lakers. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and and like you said, the real question mark is, is game four. What happens there uh, to determine how you bet the series moving forward? Uh, but let's get into best bets for tonight, game two between the Celtics and Heat. Now, you just talked about a hammer spot for the Lakers, and this is a hammer spot for the Celtics, by your estimation. Yeah, I think, yeah, I bet the the, the Celtics here uh, as well. You know, the line opened minus nine. It stayed there, which is kind of curious. Usually we see some sort of movement, but it seems like both the public and the sharp money is kind of evening itself out and keeping it right at this nine-point spread. I want to say the spread has not mattered uh, especially when it comes to the Celtics. The Celtics are 21-1 and one when they win outright in the last two playoff runs against the spread. So when they win, they cover. Even though the number's exaggerated, if you think the Celtics are going to win this game, you need to bet the nine. Obviously, if you think that they, if you think the Celtics won't cover, you should be on the Heat money line as well. Um, now, the counter argument to that is that this number, much like we talked about in the Sixer series, is dumb. This is just a dumb number. The, the Celtics being nine and a half point favorites here versus a Heat team that took game one 
even if you bump them as they did for this game in a bounce back spot, that's fine. The power rating on these two teams probably just should not be that wide, given what we've seen from the Celtics in terms of their inconsistency and what we've seen from the Heat in terms of their toughness. You know, the Celtics lost game one. Teams who lose game one at home are 21 and straight up and 20 and two against the spread in game two since 2019. That's via Evan Abrams, our crack director of research. So this has got to be a spot for me to bet the Celtics. I'm having to lay a bigger number than I want. But I simply can't see the Celtics going down 0-2, and if they win, they cover. You mentioned the inconsistencies of the Celtics, and I think that might be a reason as to why this market is so – it just seems like it's reflective of that inconsistency for the Celtics. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, a lot of this is that – you mentioned inconsistency. It's not just about um, the fact of, of how the Celtics can sometimes lose is that the Celtics will sometimes win and win comfortably. Boston's 11 and 3 straight up off a loss the last two postseasons, straight up and ATS actually, and 4 and 2 at home in those spots. They're also 3 and 0 after losing game 1 of a series. Now, most teams don't lose game 1 of a series and go on to win the se- have enough to actually have a sample size on there. But look, the Celtics tend to bounce back. The inconsistency means that yes, they will have games like game 1 versus mm-hmm. the Heat. They'll have a game 3 where I'm going to be hammering the heat in that game that'll be a big game three spot to bet miami for me but in game two the celtics will bounce back they'll probably play better defense the heat shooting will regress i like the celtics okay so then with that in mind um if you're going to expect that you know miami wins game three how does that also change um how you bet the series I'm going to be betting the Celtics after game three, win or lose. If they take game three, I will go ahead and I'll lay the, lay the juice on what's probably going to be a pretty heavy line on it. I'll probably take the minus one and a half on the series spread, maybe minus two and a half, honestly, with what I expect from the rest of the series. But if it plays out the way that I'm thinking where Celtics take game two, Miami bounces back in game three in that first game at home, that's going to be a great spot to bet the Celtics. The Celtics team's better. Like they're a better team. They're going to win. They were a better team than the Sixers. They messed around twice, and then the the Sixers legitimately beat them in one game. Right. They screwed around in game one. There's going to be an opportunity here to bet the Celtics down 2-1, I think, and that's going to be a really good opportunity. I feel very confident the Celtics are going to win this series. I know how much you love Jimmy Butler, Maria, but I think the Celtics are going to win this series. <laughs> uh, but I do think it's going to take a while. I think it's going to the series is going to go long, six and a half, maybe six games, maybe seven games. But I do think the Celtics eventually will win with home court, and there'll be an opportunity to bet them if they go down 2-1 in the series. That's okay. Jimmy and I are playing with house money. He's given me enough thrills already this postseason that I'm going to be okay with whatever the outcome is. Uh, Before I let you go, you regularly host the Buckets podcast, talking to NBA. I know you like to get buckets any way you can. So in honor of opening night, what's your favorite WNBA future? So I really like the the Atlanta Dream over 19 and a half wins. I think I have a feeling that they're going to be able to carry over the defense from last season. They added some shooting with Alicia Gray. I think there's a good opportunity here for them to be able to boost their shooting. The offense will, will balance out with the defense. This team was a really good team against the spread last season. They ended the season two and eight. Uh, straight up that really cost them what might have been a playoff spot. I think they take the step forward this season with a little bit more seasoning, a little bit more development, a little bit more shooting. I like the Atlanta dream over 19 and a half wins on the season. I think it's a great pick. Uh, You mentioned last season they took a step forward with Tanisha Wright as head coach, should take another step this season. Matt Moore, thanks as always. Thanks for having me. 
Here's a look at the slate for opening night in the WNBA. Sun and Liberty are both favored on the road at 7 Eastern. At 8 Eastern, the Lynx are home favorites. And after the NBA playoff game on ESPN, Brittany Griner makes her return for the Mercury. As we welcome in Jim Turvey making his Green Dot Daily debut, Jim wrote previews for every team in the W for Action Network. What's your favorite bet of the night? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I'm just ecstatic to have the season here. It's awesome. There's more bets than ever. It's a great slate for tonight. Um, I think the the thing that pops out to me most, um, this Chicago Sky and Minnesota links under. Um, this number actually opened a lot higher. It opened at 168 and a half, already down to 162 and a half across the market. I still like the under, believe it or not. Um, just one plug, you if you followed in the app, you would get 168 and a half. So make sure you do that, obviously, as always. Um, but these are two teams that are not um, offensive juggernauts. The Sky, there's a lot of over um, turnover on that roster this year. They are not going to have very much spacing. You know, they have some electric guards in Courtney Williams, um, Marina Mabry. Mabry hasn't been practicing with the team, and she's really the only player that can space the floor for them. Um, Courtney Williams is a great player, but she does a lot more in that mid-range game. Um, they're without Isabel Harrison tonight. Uh, Elizabeth Williams is going to be in the post. She's not. She's a great defensive player, which helps the under, but she's not an offensive um, juggernaut. On the flip side, the Lynx um, are a team that you know has a lot of turnover there, and they're returning Nafisa Collier. She only played four games last season, so she's going to be shaking off some rust. You had Diamond Miller as one of their key you know rookies driving that that offense. Um, but in, a, in an offense driven by a rookie is is not good for an over. It's good for an under. So that's the one that, that really pops me from for this opening night. I agree with you. These are two teams, like you mentioned, with so much roster turnover. I'm really interested to see how it looks. But you got to figure on opening night there that rust is going to be a factor. I could see there not being a lot of continuity there, but Let's move on. So the, for the first time that I've ever seen, we actually have player props available for tonight's games. Anything stand out to you there? Yeah, this is this is awesome. We have not had them on opening night before, like you said. Um, I, I kind of am like a kid in a candy store that I limited myself to like two or three for these because I honestly, there, there's so many you can dive into. I think my absolute favorite, um, Ariel Atkins for the Washington Mystics. They play the Liberty tonight. Her line set at 12 and a half points. Um, she averaged uh, well over 14 points last year. And even though I, I think the books, what they're thinking is that Elena Deladon is back full health this season, and that's going to eat into Atkins points a little bit. I'm not entirely sure. I went, and, I went and I looked back at last season. She still averaged over 14 points a game in those games with Elena Deladon. I think that's because with EDD in that offense, it creates a little more space for Atkins to work. Her efficiency has gone up um, in the seasons that uh, Deladon has been there. And this is a player who I'm just all over this season in general. She's going to be age 26 season. She's really one of the young stars of the league. Um, and against this Liberty team that, you know, I think we're we're all really high on in the long run. But one of those things that we've all talked about with the Liberty in, in the start of this season is, are they going to have the continuity there? Um, one way in which you, a team that lacks a bit of continuity can struggle is cover is getting out to those shooters um, in, you know, when they're doing rotations. So Atkins is a killer from, from three. Um, if, if the Liberty are a little late on some of those rotations, that's only another reason to like this over.
Um, there's a few others I like though. Um, Brittany Griner, I think we probably all wanted it. That's the game we're all watching tonight. She's returning to the court. And I, you know, maybe this is a little bit of, we, we want to bet this, but I'm going to be betting the Brittany Griner over for rebounds. They set the line at six and a half. Um, she averaged nine and a half her last season that she was in the W. I think the line is thinking that she, you know, she'll have some rust. Um, she may have um, a little bit of a minutes um, limit, but I, I think she's going to be fully energized. They really haven't said anything about limiting minutes. She looked she looked great in the preseason. Um, Azrae Stevens is going to be out for the Sparks night as well. That's a pretty thin Sparks um, front court. They weren't a great rebounding team last year. Plus, we all want to be rooting on Grinder tonight, so, so that rebounds over is one where you can kind of root for it, and I, I like the edge as well. Um, and then just one final one, I'll just I'll quickly plug this because um, I just put it into the story that's going to be on um, NBA Bet as well as on the, the Action Network app and site and everything. Um, Neko Gumake over 16 and a half points, kind of similar logic on Azure being out. Um, I couldn't help myself sneak a one one final one in there. So, um, yeah, there's a good slate. You're like a kid in a candy store, like you said, <laughs> with all of these props. I agree about the rebounds for Griner because I think even if she has rust, rebounding isn't really where you would have that rust. And she Great is point. still 6'9". She's still BG. She's still, you know, uh, the most dominant physical presence maybe we've seen um, in the post in the WNBA. And then real quick, doubling back to your Atkins pick, I noticed um, Dan Omataya, who was on buckets with me, you know, one of his favorite plays was the Mystics plus the points. Uh, and so it was kind of going along with your logic. And for them to, to do well in this game, you know, Ariel Atkins is going to need to score. So super confident in that. What is a future you're confident in um, as the season gets underway before we let you go? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Connecticut Center team that I'm kind of all over. Um, there's and and this year there's actually multiple ways to play these teams that you're high on, which is awesome. So um, the, you know the most standard, um, the win total. So they came out with win totals this season. Um, it's you were able to get 20 and a half when it first came out. That number's popped up to 22 and a half. I still like that number. Um, this is a Sun team that is returning most of their starting lineup. Um, they did lose John Quill Jones, who's an MVP. That's obviously a huge deal. But in Brianna Jones, they have a sixth woman of the year who can slot into that role that John Quill filled and, and do a pretty good job. It's going to hurt their depth because now they don't have the best bench player in the league. But in terms of a like-for-like -like replacement, that's that's about as well as you can do. Um, they also brought in Tiffany Hayes to replace Courtney Williams. That's another like-for-like -like that I think is going to go really well. Um, the coaching, you know, Stephanie White is is less proven than Kurt Miller. Kurt Miller is one of the best coaches in the league, but she's coming in. She wants to kind of Becky Hammond this offense. She wants to, you know, modernize it, really get the ball moving, um, lots of threes. This is just a, a good roster. Um, and, and for this bet to hit, you really don't have to be all that much above 500 for a team that last year had a net rating of about a 32 win team paced out over 40 games. So getting this at 22 and a half, I really like that value there. I even like a look at them to win the Commissioner's Cup. You and I talked in the the preseason pod about how the Commissioner's Cup maybe has a little more potential for long shots just in the way that it's set up. Mm -hmm. um, and of those long shots, the Sun are are the one that's grabbing my eye. That that number has shrunk a little bit. It's at twenty six hundred right now, but I still I still like that as a look um, if you're trying to get on the Sun team and and ride along in the in the bandwagon with us this year. <laughs> yeah, and the bandwagon is really the Action Network crew because I think in general <laughs> the consensus is you know the Sun team they're going to be worse off, but we believe they're pretty underrated. And you mentioned it. There's a lot more analysis where this came from. We did a whole WNBA season preview episode of 
buckets. So go check out that podcast with Jim and myself if you haven't already. Jim, thanks for joining Green Dot Daily. I'm sure we'll be having you back again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Hey, this is Action Network Audio Director Matt Mitchell inviting you to head into the sports betting summer with new gear that's built to last. And our folks at Shady Rays, friends of the podcast, they have you covered from the sun to the slopes to out at sea with their premium polarized shades. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company offering world-class products just as good as any expensive pair you've ever worn. And like our betting podcasts, their sunglasses offer the clearest possible optics. Shady Rays also offers the most bananas protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of their sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. So what does that mean? Here's what they told me. It means if you lose or break your pair, even a minute after they arrive, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Plus, if you don't love them, just exchange them for a new pair or even return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. It's basically the opposite of betting on the Oakland A's. So exclusively for our podcast listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code ACTION for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the Shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. Green Dot Daily is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. To NHL, and here are the latest odds to win the Conn Smythe Trophy for MVP of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Matthew Kachuk leads the way at plus 550, followed by Sergei Bobrovsky at plus 700. Then Jack Eichel and Mark Stone are tied at plus 750. As we welcome in our hockey analyst, Nick Martin. So Kachuk scored the game-winning goal for the Panthers in last night's marathon game. What are the ramifications of this game going to four overtimes? Yeah, it was... uh... Definitely not a good night for the sports books in a series where everyone was already eyeing a ton of overs. We lucked into a bunch of hits. I lucked into a bunch of hits and I saw all over Twitter, people crushing uh, some of the different fantasy type models. So I think it's interesting to note, you want to look at, uh, if just keep in mind with these overtimes, if you're betting shots, make sure you're looking at what the actual per 60 rate was and you know, I think aside from that, we could see this series is maybe going to end up being pretty closely contested. Maybe some of the defensive uh, shot props might not be as good as people thought, I think. So I think that's kind of all there is on that front. And then to talk about this game, I think we have a little value with uh, Sergei Bobrovsky to win the Smythe. He might not be my favorite guy right now, but I think it was another extremely convincing case that he's dragging Florida right now. I know Kachuk's the favorite and he scores the overtime winner, but it's actually been a pretty quiet stretch from Kachuk and it seemed like he actually was locked down pretty tight for most of that game. So I'm kind of uh, thinking if you are interested in that series and the Panthers, maybe keep an eye on Bobrovsky. Very good point, Uh, but let's move on to tonight because we have game one of the West Finals between the Stars and Golden Knights. What are your thoughts on the series overall? 
Yeah, so the series, Dallas is priced at plus 105 to win. I know there's a ton of analysts and fans, bettors everywhere flocking to Dallas in this spot. They think that that's kind of a smash number. I'm actually a little bit less bullish on the Stars. I think that's closer to fair. I think Vegas has some legitimate advantages with their roster. The key difference between the two is that Jake Ettinger should be drastically better than Aiden Hill in goal, and that a lot of people are kind of thinking eventually Aiden Hill is just going to completely fall off and that Ettinger is going to kind of be the edge that wins them this series. So I, I think there's probably a little more value with Dallas on the series numbers, but it's close in my opinion. Okay, interesting. So then how are you attacking from a betting perspective? Yeah, so I think there's still a lot of value with our guy Rope Hints. We've talked about him a lot on this program. I think if I say his name enough, Charlie might be able to figure out what it, how you actually pronounce it. So <laughs> we're getting to that point. Maybe if he wins the con Smythe, that'll do it. But I just think that he has such an edge over the rest of the stars that I would much rather take over three times the payout for him to win the con Smythe. If they do it all, I think he's going to be the guy. He's leading with 19 points, which paces all of remaining skaters. And he's done that with elite defensive play as a center, and he's on their top penalty kill unit. So I think that makes the big case. If they do win the next two rounds, it's going to need a big performance from Jake Ettinger. But I still just think he's so far behind. And then also Joe Pavelski, Jason Robertson on his line. I think it's pretty clear he's kind of been more of the primary driver, so I don't really see them getting in the mix. If I were to bet a second star, I actually would lean towards Miro Heiskanen at plus 2,500. So, yeah, I just think with uh, what Hints has shown so far, his play has looked amazing. His stats are amazing. So give me Hints at plus 1,000 to win the Consmite. Okay, and in case you weren't sure, the Charlie that you're referencing is Charlie DeSterko, our fellow producer slash analyst. Uh, I'm sure he's listening and taking vigorous notes to this. Nick Martin, thanks so much for the insight. Thank you. To MLB and what you need to know for Friday's slate. Sandy Alcantara has a 492 ERA in eight starts for the Marlins. They're taking on the Giants. Jose Altuve expected to make his season debut for the Astros against the A's. And finally, James Paxton making his second start since 2021 after a solid outing one week ago for Boston. We bring in our baseball expert, Sean Zarillo now, and you have a couple picks on those key matchups we just mentioned. Why don't we start with Marlins Giants and what you like there? Yeah, a few bits that I like in Marlins Giants, the Giants in both halves of the matchups, so both first five innings and full game. In addition to the over, the over seven at plus money, something I bet early, went up to seven and a half, has come back down to seven, juice to the over. I projected this all the way up closer to eight, so I actually like it up to eight at even money. Seven and a half, probably juiced up to about minus 120. Minus 118 is where I'd bet it to. In terms of the matchup and picking aside, though, the reason why I like the Giants tonight, reason why I like the over, Sandy Alcantara has taken a step back relative to last season. Sandy thrives on generating weak contact, or at least he used to, but his combined ground ball and pop-up rate year over year has dropped 15%. He used to generate a ground ball or a pop-up as much as any pitcher except for Framber Valdez. Now he's moved much closer to league average in those categories. So allowing contact that is closer to the league average in terms of exit velocity, not 
allowing soft contact nearly as much as he used to. Sandy's expected ERA has risen from the low to mid twos to 4.34 this season. So even though that ERA is up at 4.9, it is actually mostly justified by the underlying indicators. The Giants also have the better splits on both offensive ends of this matchup as well. Top seven team against right-handed pitching. The Marlins are much better against lefties than they are against righties. They rank 25th against righties. And that includes playing most of the season with Jazz Chisholm Jr., who's now injured. Jazz is about 17% better than average against righties for his career. So the Marlins lineup should take a hit without Jazz in there against right-handed pitching. Anthony Discofani actually pitching very well this season, has one of the lowest walk rates in baseball. So the Giants in both halves up to about minus 125 for the first five innings, minus 120 for the full game, in addition to the over my three angles on this matchup. But a lot of it ties to the splits and Sandy struggling this season. Sounds good. Well, the other matchup that you're eyeing is Red Sox-Padres. What interests you there? Yeah, fun pitching matchup between two pretty volatile pitchers, James Paxton and Blake Snell, a couple of left-handers. Blake Snell, for his career, has always been better in the second half than the first half. I don't know what it is with him, but he hasn't found his form yet. He's really struggled this season, just as many strikeouts as he had walks in his last start. So we know that he hasn't fully rounded into form yet. But 553 expected ERA for Snell this season has really struggled and doesn't have his command. James Paxton, though, really surprised me in his first start of the year a week ago. Just his seventh start or eighth start, I believe, since the 2019 season. Hasn't pitched much, been dealing with a ton of injuries. But Paxton's velocity was very impressive. Throwing his fastball at 96.3 miles an hour, that's the highest level that he's had since July of 2019 when he started to decline because the injuries started to catch up to him and eventually... He's been down for the past few seasons, but basically Paxton's velocity right back to where he was during the peak of his career. So I actually like what I saw from him quite a bit. Had nine strikeouts in his first start. The command was poor in the minors, but the Red Sox clearly knew what they were doing, bringing him up at the right time. And even though the Padres have been better against lefties than they have against righties this season, Manny Machado currently out of their lineup. The Red Sox do have the better of the splits. They rank as a top 10 offense against both righties and lefties. So I made Boston closer to plus 120 in this matchup. Anything at plus 130 or better on Paxton and the Red Sox for the full game is where I'd play it. And Blake Snell, just a pitcher I'm happy to keep betting against for now while he's struggling. Well, we appreciate you keeping us dialed into the baseball side of things, but I understand you are also a horse racing enthusiast, and we have a super busy weekend ahead as the running of the Preakness Stakes is Saturday. Mage is the favorite after winning the Kentucky Derby. Then we have National Treasure and Blazing Sevens since first mission has been scratched. So, Sean, while we have you here, I want to ask you about this. We've been hearing about a lot of horses getting scratched recently. Can you just explain the catalyst behind that? Yeah, I think horse racing finally, long overdue, is making an effort to actually take care of these animals and do the right thing. They want to protect the optics of having serious injuries on live TV. We've had deaths before for the Kentucky Derby on live TV before, and it's horrific and it's awful to think about. But I'm actually glad that horse racing, you know, the more news that you see that seems like bad news popping up recently, uh, trainers getting suspended, horses getting scratched, it may seem like that's a bad thing, but actually this stuff has been going on forever and it's been hidden. So sunlight is the best disinfectant. I'm finally glad that the veterinarians, the trainers are taking care of these animals to deserve that treatment. 
And that's why we are seeing both lots of scratches, but also weaker fields in the Derby and the Preakness relative to what we've had in previous years. You go back towards the end of last year and 10 of the Derby favorites or 10 of the horses who were projected to be the top 10 horses for the Derby power rankings. Only Forte was the one who was slated to run on Derby day and he was scratched the day before the Derby. So that's why we've seen a slower crop of three-year-old horses relative to previous years. And now heading into the Preakness, not only the fact that we've had a bunch of horses scratched, including mm-hmm. First Mission, who was going to be my pick for the Preakness, but also just a lot of trainers resting their horses, pointing towards the Belmont, don't necessarily consider the Preakness as prestigious as it used to be. So with that said, just one runner, Mage, coming back for the Preakness from the Derby, typically we see about three to five. So considering that and considering the second choice and likely best contender aside from him has been scratched, definitely sets up for Mage to potentially be vying for the Triple Crown at Belmont in a few weeks. Well, expand on that and how you want to approach this from a betting standpoint. Yeah, so as I said, first mission was going to be my choice, but if there were three win contenders in here, the number one national treasure, the number three Mage, and the number eight first mission would have been my choices. They were my A-horses for multi-race tickets. They would have been the three win contenders that I selected if I was building out exotics. Now I really do think it comes down to National Treasure, the one, and First Mission, the eight. The pace in here should be pretty slow, and the way Mage won the Kentucky Derby coming from 16 links off the lead, he needed a very fast pace in order to run into and close it. He's going to need to be closer to the pace in this race. It's very possible that a horse like National Treasure just gets out on a soft lead, is able to run a merry-go-round around the track, and then Mage, just by virtue of being too far back, at the half mile call is not able to catch up to him in the stretch run. He might just have too much left in the tank to be able to pull away. So I do think Mage is a justifiable favorite as the only Derby horse coming back against a much weaker field than what he faced in the Derby. If he runs the race that he ran in the Derby, it's tough to imagine anybody beating him just because somebody in here would need to take a significant step up even in order to beat that race. But Mage, you know, probably my top win contender. I'm going to have National Treasure in there behind him as the one horse, I think he sticks around and ends up hitting the board. And of the longer shots, I actually like the number six performance, 15 to one, just based on where I think these horses will be situated early on in the race. The number six perform should be in that second flight with Mage. And I think they're going to get the first run on the leaders before everybody else does. So the number five, Red Route One, the number seven, Blazing Sevens, I think they're just going to be coming too far back in a race where I don't see much pace. And I think perform mage and national treasure are going to be the horses closer to the lead who end up hitting the board sean thank you for that and i also appreciate your perspective as far as these scratches it's tough to see but it means that we're actually taking more care into account uh, with regard to the health of these animals so appreciate it enjoy the race enjoy the weekend thank you yeah things that were just long overdue hearing about them is actually a good thing Remember, any picks we give out here on the show, you can easily reference by following Green Dot Daily in the Action app. We keep track so you don't have to. Green Dot Daily is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's a wrap for Green Dot Daily. I'm Maria Marino. Thanks for hanging with me all week long. Enjoy your weekend. I'll see you back here Monday at 3 Eastern on the Action Network YouTube channel and the Action.
Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.